Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, yes. Uh, I thank God for all that he's been doing in us, with us in the past couple of days. Um, and I just, I'm so grateful for how God has opened up to us places in the realm of the spirit um, that have empowered us um, to be able to make the necessary warfare. As we all know, the enemy always will um, try to manifest, to steal from us all that God has placed within us, all that God has deposited inside of us. So even as we learn in this season and even as we um, come into the place where we are pushing, we are praying, we are studying, we are um, getting down into God's word and revelation, it is important for us to also um, know that the gates that we are opening are gates or the gates we are shutting are gates that we need to man by the power of God, by the wisdom of God. And uh, we need to be able to stand at these gates, you know, um, many times, good morning, good morning, everyone. So many times when um, people, uh, sorry, one second. So many times when um, um, things happen to us in seasons like this, remember I was talking to you guys and I was saying, um, at a time like this that, you know, we're really praying and we're really pushing, um, it's a time where you have to also be very mindful, very careful of the attacks of hell, um, because part of what Satan will want to do, or when it's time to actually, or you're doing like a session of, um, you know, demon casting and all of that, it is when the, the demon is about to come out, that's when they start to manifest and scream and shout and all the distractions start to happen. It is because God is about to birth you into something new and something powerful. Um, you're about to happen to have um, the um, the enemy starts showing up in certain ways that just looks like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's happening with me? You know, but just keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your eye on what the Lord is doing. Keep your eye on what the spirit of God is doing. But most especially, I need you to, in this season, govern your conversations. You know, um, don't let the enemy lure you or drag you um, into anything that is not of the Lord or lure you or drag you into a position that is demonic, that is not godly. Don't let the enemy do that with you. So no matter what happens in this season, maintain your Christ-like position um, because you have to man the gates that you have opened and you also have to man the gates that you have shut. Um, so part of what we're talking about some days ago was about, you know, securing um um, re re recovering ancient gates or more or less building the kind of gates that God wants you to. And we went through several things. We talked about what, what gates are, what gates mean. And we talked about um, the opening of satanic gates, what, the, what those look like, and five notable features about satanic um, ancient gates, what they look like, how they portray themselves. Um, and then we began to look at seven foundational, seven foundational um, steps to take where you have a building gates. So one of the steps, number one, we talked about, you need to recognize that the gates are broken. Um, and number two, you need to be honest enough to admit that your silence or inaction more or less has been part of the reason why the brokenness has existed for so long. Uh, we talked about repenting, realizing you're in error, you know, and having a new mind. That was when we went into Daniel chapter nine and we made some serious prayers. We repented, you know, and all of that. I think that was on Sunday, I believe. And then um, we 
we we said ask God to use um to use you that's number four to purge you to prepare you as a vessel unto honor um we prayed through number five partner with the Holy Spirit in carrying shed burdens and intercessions um number six is you have to commit yourself in the form of consistency and perseverance you know um the thing about about the warfare that we fight they are warfares of persistency they are warfares of perseverance I have never met a powerful Christian that will say to you oh you know I am where I am I am who I am I carry the authority that I carry without there being seasons where I literally felt like giving up without there being seasons when I felt like oh packing it all up and just becoming nothing Everybody you see that has that carries power, anybody you see that is working in great strength in the kingdom are people that have had to arrive there through consistency and perseverance. You know, through consistency and perseverance, even when you are hard pressed, yet you don't retire, even when the enemy is coming against you, yet you don't you don't stand back, you don't step back, you are pushing the boundaries. Why? Because you understand that God is with you. Because you understand that if you can push a little bit further, if you can push a little bit longer, it is not how we begin in Christianity that matters. It is how we end. It is not the fact that we started a race. It is that we ran the race to the end. That's what truly matters. You know, so you have to be careful to see where the enemy is coming for your ability to be consistent. You know, and even in seasons like this, why are we still on this prayer call this morning? It is because we arrived at a point where we sense that it was not over. We arrived at a point where we sense that God wanted us to press in into more. God wanted us to push into more, you know. And so when we even came to this boundary, it became a little bit harder. You may not know, but it became a little bit harder for me, you know, to be able to come back again and continue praying this week because I understand how it works. I understand that when you are crossing a major boundary of transition, you know, things get tougher, things get harder, but it is to the perseverant one, to the one that is consistent in his search. The Bible says the fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man causes power to be available. The word fervent is is consistency, not giving up. You know, you are dogged, you are rugged on that path and you are not turning away. So it's is that kind of prayer that comes out of a righteous man that causes power to be made available. It is not just that you are praying powerful prayers, but you are consistently praying powerful prayers. That is what changes your world. So when you see that the Spirit of God begins to say, hey, push it one more day, push it two more days. That's exactly what the Spirit of God is doing. He's saying there is something you are about to achieve, but if you step back now, if you give up now, it will not come to pass. Look at Daniel in Babylon. Daniel was was literally about to open the gate of liberation, the gate of deliverance to his people. And it was at the point where Daniel was about to do that, that we see that um, the, the, the Gabriel who had been released from heaven three weeks ago, Gabriel had been sent from the throne of God. Remember what Gabriel said um, to so I think Zechariah, he says, I am Gabriel, the one who stands in the presence of God. So Gabriel, the one who stands before the Lord, has to tell you that when um, Daniel prayed, he came straight up to the throne of God, you know, and God heard him and God himself sent an answer and said, Gabriel, you have to go. I'm not going to put it in his heart as a feeling. I'm not going to make him say that, well, I think God is answering Shao, but I'm not sure. What he's praying about is so critical and so important that I need an angelic visitation to confirm 
confirmed to him that this is my will and this is my heart. And, you know, and then Gabriel came all the way from heaven. But the Bible records, according to the writings of Daniel, that Gabriel testified to Daniel saying, hey, I, I came, but the prince of Persia withstood me. And, you know, I was talking to you guys the other day about principalities, about powers, about rulers of darkness, about demons, about territorial spirits. And there are different kinds of territories. There are territories in nations, there are territories um, in on normal locations, there are territories in systems, in businesses, there are territories in houses, there are territories in families, you know, so sometimes people get married, you get married into families, you, you get married out of families, you, you, you move into new businesses, you move into, and you, you haven't realized the territorial spirit that operates in that area, that operates in that region, and because as a Christian, you are consistently pushing forward, you are consistently breaking the boundaries of your habitation and stepping into new boundaries, According to the leading of God, according to the dealings of the Holy Ghost. So what is happening is that the enemy is consistently tracking you and consistently trying to set up all kinds of things in your way to make sure that you back down. But one of the things he uses the most is that which is familiar to you, that which is familiar with you, that which he knows has worked from time to time, that which he knows has worked for your father, for your mother, for your grandmother, and now you. So the enemy will use that same kind of tactics to come against you when he sees that you are pushing forward and you are breaking the boundaries that had been set for you by your experiences and by your nation. So one of the things that happened is resistance. Remember where we started in 1 Corinthians, where Paul said, a great and effective door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. It, you have to recognize and you need to know that there is an adversary system that is set up against you. And the adversary system set up against you is tailor-made for your anointing, your destiny, and your calling. That is what the enemy does. He does not take an adversary system that works for me and fits it with you. No, 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 no. He wouldn't do that because he might be ineffective with you because my natural dispositions, the natural things that trigger me, um, the things that tick me off, the things that, you know, make me happy, the things that I'm attempting for me may not necessarily be your own temptations, may not necessarily be your own dealings. So the adversary system set up against me may not be your adversary system. So Paul began to say, hey, a unique door is open unto me. A door of uniqueness is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. So because the door is unique, the adversary is also unique. So you have to be able to tell. So Daniel said, hey, here am I praying. And then Gabriel is coming. And then the spirit, the, the, the prince of Persia, which is the kingdom of Babylon, withstood him. Now the prince of Persia would not withstand um, Daniel if he was going to give a message in Nigeria. But the prince of Nigeria would. If I was praying and, and God is meant to give a message to me, the prince of Lagos would try to withstand the angelic host or the angel that is bringing the answer. So you need to get what is going on here. So many times we, we fall for the trickery of hell because we cannot identify the methods of hell. That's why we fall for it. And then we begin to redefine our lives based on some low level or even advanced adversary setup that en the enemy uses to come against us. So you need to be consistent and perseverant. So sometimes, even if it means you are just dragging yourself into the temple of God, into the presence of God, even if it means you are using your last energy and you're just like, you know what? I don't understand this. I don't get it. I, 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 I can't, but I am going all the way. I am pressing all the way, whatever it takes. 
You need to tell yourself all this morning that whatever it takes, I am seeing it through to the end, whatever it takes. When the enemy rises up against you like a flood, the spirit of God will raise a standard against him. There's a reason why the Lord says like a flood, because floods are uncontrollable. Floods come to sweep whatever is in their way. There is a time when the enemy rises up against you. That's not the time to be cute. That's not the time, you know, to be polite. That's not the time to want to, you know, follow setting, you know, early protocols. You will shout and you will rise up against the devil. You will rebuke him sternly. Why? Because a great door is open before you, but there's an adversary. You know, um, some days ago, two days ago, um, so for those of you in Nigeria, Rabbi Alan is coming to Nigeria. You, For many of you know Rabbi Alan in the past, one year exactly, he's been, you know, every like two weeks or every three weeks, I have study sessions with him where we sit down, we go over scriptures, you know, we 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 look at, you know, what are the original meanings. So when you hear me teaching and I'm like, oh, the root word for this is this, what it originally means is this, what the Lord was trying to say or based on the culture of, um, of the Jewish culture, this is what this is. So what the scripture is actually trying to say is A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Fine, I do a lot of research myself, a lot actually, but a lot of it is also from conversations with this man, Rabbi Allen. And, you know, also I take back the research I've done. I'm like, hey, I discovered that, you know, this means this, Sukkot means this. Or when the Bible says, and the children of Israel went out of Egypt, harnessed, you know, and they went to the land of Sukkot. And I'm like, okay, what does it mean to be um, harnessed? I'm like, okay, but when I check for the meaning of harness, it meant 50. What does this mean? And he's like, okay, let's go back. You know, they're coming out of Egypt. What was the feast then? Passover. Um, what, what, what are they going into? What is Sukkot? Sukkot is not a place. Is You know, it couldn't have been in Egypt. So where is that? What is that? And then we look at the feast of the harvest. And, you know, so what is then 50 in between, between the Passover and the harvest of the church is Pentecost. And then we realize that 50, you know, so I do all this like Bible tracking with this man of God. And so here is he's coming to Nigeria he had given me a date months ago he was supposed to come in April and um and somehow he couldn't make it he fell sick and then he's like okay here is my new date I can come in September and guess what for almost three four months now we've been trying to renew his ticket one thing or the other keeps happening is either they cancel this or they cancel that or they increase the fee we pay this money and then they say no that money did not work and then this one happens all kinds of things. Some of it is in the hand of the agent. Some of it is in the hand of our administration. Some of it is in my hands, all kinds of things. But whatever the case may be, we have spent so much money over and over and over trying to get this ticket sorted out. And I remember on um, on Sunday or so on Monday, I get on the call with Pastor Bumi and I get on the call with Pastor Linda and I get on the call with the agency. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, and I remember four days before that, I said to my chief administrator, I was like, look, there's something going on. There's warfare over this man coming. I was like, I don't know what it is that the enemy is afraid of, but he definitely doesn't want this teacher of the world to come, you know? And I was like, you need to pray about this. I was like, something is wrong here. And then fast forward four days later, what should be simple? I need you to understand what I'm saying. This should have been a very simple thing, just like pam, 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 pam. You know, we spend so much money, we keep paying and paying, and they're like, oh, this is good. I'm like, what is that? So I get on the phone, I was like, what, what is going on? And, you know, all kinds of stories. Lufthansa said this, then this happened, and then that happened. Okay, so what about that money we paid? And it's it's winding, it's kind of, it's giving me Leviathan vibes, you know? And I'm like, 
what is this? You know, so we're talking, talking, talking. And at that point, I'm like, maybe I need to cancel this. Like maybe he he shouldn't come, you know. And I'd said some hours before, I was like, look, if I don't get a response, I said, I have to cancel this stream. I don't know what we're doing. I can't give this man feedback. Something is happening. You know, Moa, I didn't know until yesterday that where he was, the Lord was speaking to him and telling him, hey, you know, with regards to your coming, there's a lot of warfare. Start praying. So I'm there on the phone call and we're trying to go over this windy details that make no sense of all kinds of, you know, we're jumping from Lufthansa to Qatar to Rwanda to this one and pay money at every turn. We pay more money and it gets shut down. It gets canceled. It's not, I'm like, at some point I said to the, to the people on the cars, like, this is demonic. I was like, no, you don't understand. This is actually very demonic. I was like, this is abnormal spiritual manipulation. I was like, this is not normal. And so immediately I said, you know what, guys, cancel everything. I said, every single amount we have paid, forget about it. And the agent is like, oh, no. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh-uh. Cancel. As I, I was like, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from, I don't want to be here about this anymore. I was like, cancel all these transactions. And in, on the phone, I started to pray. I'm like, I cut this up by the blood of Jesus. I pray for the people on the cars. Like, God, we bless you. God, we use you. God, we, the enemy will not find you. And I'm sure they're thinking, oh my gosh, she's crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm telling you that I can actually see a satanic manipulation going on here whatever route is using whether it's using the inefficiency of the nigerian system or using um the the sluggishness or the corruption of whatever system or using the agent whatever it may be there is a door opening opened but i can tell you that the enemy is effectively using that door to ensure that what the lord wants to do does not come to pass so i started canceling i'm praying i'm like i rebuke this in the name of jesus it's not gonna happen i cut it off i cut myself off from this frustration by the power of the holy ghost and i decree that this shall not limit what God wants to do in Jesus name. I hang up the call. I declare that the door is open. He is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and it may seem abnormal. It may seem crazy, but I'm telling you as believers, we need to be able to identify because at that point I'm having intense migraine headache. My shoulders are aching my neck. So I know that there is witchcraft manipulation going on in all of it. So I'm like, I rebuke it in Jesus name now to all the to the undiscerning you look at it and you think oh oh it's just it's just take care it's just but no that's not what it is something else if you read through scriptures you will consistently see how the how believers try to make certain journeys the apostles and they will speak about resistance they will speak about fighting wild beasts what were the beasts were they living lions that attacked them no so many times it is because we cannot discern when Satan is spinning a web around us and we have become too cute, too modern and too, you know, this day to say things like, I rebuke you in Jesus name. This is, this is a satanic trap and I refuse to get into it. We have become too polite to actually address demonic manipulations. We have become too modern to actually speak to satanic altars when they are rearing their head and when they are raging. This is the reason why we are in captivity. This is the reason why we don't break out. I remember what I always tell you guys, cry, but let your eye be clear. In the midst of your tears, see clearly what is going on. As you are waiting, also be calling it what is happening and address it by the power of the Holy Ghost. I need you to understand what is going on. You know, so um, I say this to you because 
Kelevi askomenaha. Shavre igedila basuka. Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. What does it mean to sift wheat? You take wheat. For you, those of you who are Nigerians, it's like granite. You 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 remove the peel of the granite from the, from um from the roasted peanuts. You you peel it. You put it on the plate, like I said, we in Nigeria, and this is how we did it in those days. You raise it like, as you are raising it up, you are blowing it, and you let the wind to take the shaft away. He says, Satan wants to do that to you, Peter. He wants to peel all the things as life has burnt you. He wants to peel the, the back, the, the natural disposition you have to do wrong, to speak ill, you know, to gossip, you know, your fears. You are too quick, Peter. You are too deep. Satan wants to take advantage. He, and another version where you really say he has demanded of you like in a legal way. So Satan went to heaven and brought a case file, a dossier, looked at it, Peter, the man called Simon Bajona, look at all the things about him. He is this, he is this, he's a this, he's a that, and I, I want to have him. Remember what God said to uh, um, to Cain. He said, sin is crouching at your doorway. He desires to have you. And I told you guys that the Hebrew word for desire is the same word as in, in that verse of scripture. It's the same word that is used when a man is lusting after a woman and a woman is lusting after a man when he wants to have her and sleep with her. So what God was saying to Cain was that, Cain, listen, you have to deal with this matter in the spirit. You need to rise up and to say, God, there is something going on in my heart. Why am I on a able to even repent before you. My sacrifice was not accepted, yet I don't have the ability to look inward and say, God, something is wrong with me and begin to pray and ask for forgiveness and say, God, now show me how to do it. Why am I unable to do it? God says the fact that you're unable to do that, sin is lusting after you and he wants to make babies with you. He wants to give birth to babies as a mark that your future will never ever be able to produce God. So that's what sin is constantly trying to do, to make babies with us so that the action you will not take by reason of that sin that enters your life or that mindset, will now, you will not start giving birth to antichrist um, businesses, antichrist systems, antichrist decisions that can never birth the heart of Christ. That's what the enemy wants to do. So in the same way, you know, I'm like, we have to be able to discern when the enemy is trying to make babies with us, for lack of a better word. He wants to infuse a position that will not make you say, you know what, this is exactly what I'm going to do because I'm not, auntie, stop for one minute and check it. Does it carry the heart of God? Does it carry the mind of God? Does it carry the capacity to reproduce God? Does it have the ability to birth the eternal will of God in time and in season? If it does not have the ability to birth it, then you better push that child back into the womb of sin and tell it, I'm not going to do this. This will not be birthed through my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to get rugged again. The kind of Christianity that they now call ah, overdoing, you are too religious. You need to go back there. The Bible says the power to life and death is in the tongue. There is no other way. You need to start rebuking certain things. You need to walk around your house and say, I cast you out, Satan. Get out of this house. Get out of this home. Get out of my mind. Get out of my business. Get out of my ministry. In the name of Jesus, I command you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have no jurisdiction here. Yeah. The gates that are open are open to God and to God alone. We need to get back to old-fashioned, good old warfare. Because you see, the reason why we are stuck many times, and there's so there's just this great generation of people who are constantly feeling choked, is because we don't know how to use our words anymore. He says, 
Esau, in the day that you get fat, in the day you get restless, in the day you start to say, no, 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 I'm going to challenge this. He said, that's the day the yoke will be broken from your neck. Remember what I told you people, my father will say, now when you light fire for those being, or when you scatter those being, snake must jump, come out. Basically, when you begin to sift through the, through the trash of hell that he has fed you for so long, through the trash of Satan that he has fed you for so long, when you begin to sift through it and begin to say, wait a minute, how did I arrive at making this decision? Wait a second, what was the mindset that led me to even agree that this is right? Wait one minute, no, I'm better than this. I can do better. Once you begin to sift through it, the snake will start to jump out. The viper, everything will start to rattle. Calm down. Be calm. Be calm like Jesus in the boat. Peace in the midst of a storm. Because a storm that rattles you, you cannot command it to be still. Because the stillness that Jesus released to the storm was a stillness that he first had on the inside of him. So contend more for anything else than the peace within. Because it is the peace within that goes to the storm around that quietens the storm. Shut up, Satan. Be still. You have no place here. Let us get back to not just warfare where we come on prayer calls, but to have a consistent posture of warfare to have embrace a culture of warfare. I'm not telling you that everything in your life is the devil that caused it, but I'm telling you that the enemy is quick to take advantage of our weaknesses, of our brokenness, of our failures, of our mistakes. So a man that will remain in the power of God is a man that does not only know how to open new gates and new doors, but is a man that knows how to keep setting doors shut. You know how to plead the blood over the circumstances of your life. We need to get back to warring. Because like I said, the sixth thing, if you're going to be able to keep um, the altars or the gates that God is giving to you, is that you must know how to be consistent and perseverant. Consistency and perseverance. So I want us to make that a prayer right now. And say, Father, make me consistent in season and out of season. Give me the capacity to embrace the mind of God. In season and out of season, give me the ability to stay put in the desires of God. Father, I declare that in the name of the Lord Jesus, the capacity to stay powerful, O God. To stay consistent, my God, I will not give up the territories you have given to me in the realm of the spirit. I will not give it up in the name of Jesus. My God, it doesn't matter how hungry I become in the journey of life, but I will not be like Esau. I will not give my bet rights to Jacob because I could not steward it. I could not keep it. I got carried away by the troubles and by the hunger of this world. Father, I declare that in the name of Jesus, I preserve my territories. My God, I pray that you do not only make me a gatekeeper. You do not only make me one that can open gates, but teach me how to shut gates. Because the gatekeeper that stands at a gate has the responsibility of opening up to those who can legally come in and shutting the illegal people out. So God, I pray you teach me as a gatekeeper the legalities of the spirit. Teach me the legalities of the spirit. Help me to know, oh God, what to shut out and what to let in in the name of Jesus. Father, I decree and I declare by the power of the Holy Spirit 
that every territory that you have given to me, oh God, I preserve it in the name of Jesus. I will not lose anything or anyone that has been committed into my hands by God. I speak strength into my inner man. I speak fervency to my inner man. I speak consistency to my inner man. In the name of Jesus, the ability to rise up and to make the necessary warfare of the day. In the mighty name of Jesus, I decree that my family is kept and preserved. I decree that my husband is kept and preserved. I decree that my children are kept and preserved. I decree that my family is kept and preserved. I decree that my ministry and anyone connected to me in service with me, I decree that they are kept and preserved by the power of the Holy Spirit. I speak to the borders of my mind and I speak to the boundaries of my soul. I say you shall not be lost to the enemy in the name of Jesus, for God has not given unto me the spirit of fear, but the power of love and of a sound mind. I am consistent in well-doing. I am consistent in warfare. I am consistent in embracing the, the, the commands of God and in executing the demands of the spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I am one that God can count on. I am one that God can bank on to be able to execute his heart at any point in time. In the name of Jesus, I resist the urge to back down. I resist the urge to shut down the things that God has designated for my life and destiny. I decree that in the name of Jesus, I walk in the consistency of the spirit. I walk in the perseverance of the Holy Ghost for one of the things that God has given to me is the ability for long suffering and perseverance. Therefore, I step out of my strength and I step into the strength of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I step out of the garment of personal weakness and I step into the garment huh, of the capacity of the Holy Ghost. Huh, and I decree that in the name of Jesus, huh, right now I burn the garment huh, of one minute quick 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 giving up of, of, of that attitude of, of, of a lack of perseverance. Huh? I burn the garment of a lack of perseverance. Huh? I burn the garment of a lack of persistence. Huh? I burn the garment of weakness. Huh? I burn the garment of giving up quickly. Huh? I burn it off my body. Huh? In the name of Jesus, I invite the fires of the Holy Spirit huh? to give me grace, huh? to give me grit, huh? to give me ability huh? to press huh? and to push huh? into the mind of God. Huh? into executing the heart of God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, what I'm talking to you about is a culture. I've been teaching about culture. I've been teaching about culture. And I cannot re-overemphasize it. Culture, very important. A culture of being able to, to, to embrace God, to embrace the way of God, to embrace the dealing of God, but to embrace taking down the enemy as he appears. It's a culture you have to have in your work with God. 
where you say to yourself, whenever I see him raise his, he his head, I will take him down. It's a culture you have to embrace. If not, you will give the enemy time to spin his web around you. And then by the time you get up to shake yourself, like something, they've already cut off your hair and you don't have the ability anymore to take down the Philistines. Don't give him time. Don't give him room. Well, as, you, as you see it coming up, nip it in the board. Quick, excuse me. Quickly nip it in the board. Don't give the enemy any room. At about, at about um, 4, 4.30, 4.40 this morning, Pastor Stephanie had called me, as she usually would do, just to make sure that uh, this woman of God has woken up. So she called me and I picked her. But when she called me, I was praying because, you know, they're just certain things that were on my mind. I had just gotten off a call with, you know, somebody else. And then I was in between after that praying, and, you know, just crying out to God. So by the time she called up here, I was like, hey, you know, what's up? And all of that. No, because I had sent her a message. I said, hey, the prayer team, you know, that prays for me, when was the last time? I hope they are still praying. And she was like, oh, yeah, Pia, we even just got off a call last night. So I was like, okay, great. You know, so, but then she called. And um, so while we're talking, she's like, hey, Pia, are you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Just, I've just not been able to sleep since 2 a.m., you know, and so here, there are just a couple of things on my mind, you know, and I'm just praying about it and just trying to find Christ in the midst of it. So while I'm giving her this, you know, vague picture and just saying, hey, I'm just trying to walk my way through with the Lord. Next thing, I start to cry. Now, my human whatever says, don't cry, you woman of God. But then I also understand how the spirit, soul, and body all connect. And I realize that it's okay, even on a soul level, to be able to express and say, hey, you know, I'm feeling this because I've been together since. But at that point, I'll say, hey, you know, because at that point, I asked the question, I was like, you know, I said, Stephanie, you know, tell me the truth. In this particular matter, what do you think? Because I'm struggling even in prayer to find the heart of God. And at that point, I start to cry. Of course, usually when you are a mentor and a leader, it's hard for people who are under you to see you crying. But it's okay because at the end of the day, Jesus wept and he's my Messiah. Do you understand? And it doesn't make me see him any less. It just makes me understand that Jesus understands what it means to lose somebody. You know, um, so, and as we're talking immediately, she just starts speaking back and she's like, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I shut that voice in the name of Jesus. I, I say P.I. in the mind. First of all, it is a blessing to be blessed by people that you have blessed. And for them to be quick, to be able to identify where this is not the Lord, this is Satan, you know, and then um, to be bold enough to be able to do it. So as she's like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I say to you, P.I., this is not of God. I begin to declare, I begin to decree, I speak to you. I say, you know, so at that point, I'm still crying and I'm like, God, you know, but I'm listening and I'm like, amen, amen. Because before that, I've held myself up very well. And I'm like, you know what? And I'm on a chamber of Jesus, you know, I know. But by the time I, I asked that question, something broke inside me. 
And so when she, here is her speaking back to me, and we are still on the issue of gates, you know, because just yesterday night, I had had a conversation with her where I was sharing with her Ephesians 4 from verse 14, where the Bible was talking about, do not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And I said, so I said, Stephanie, you know, doctrine comes by reason of communication and words. I said, so what the wind that tosses us tosses us out of position, tosses us away from God, or tosses us into God is from doctrine. It's from teaching, it's from words. And when you go further down, you know, that same um, Bible began to, that same verses began to say, put off the old man from your previous conversations. I say, so the old man is in conversation and the man of the spirit is in conversation. I say, so conversation is what opens the door to the kind of man that you are. I say, so Stephanie, more than ever, we must steward our conversations and make sure that the words that have been spoken are the words of God. So we just had this conversation, you know, some hours before, here am I depositing gems into her spirit. And then fast forward, just about maybe nine hours later, the same PI is like, <gasps> think that, you know, and of course, she's bringing out the very things I just put in some hours before. And she's like, I rebuke that in Jesus name. This is not God. I say to that spirit, you are, you are a liar. I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. I say to you, you know, and of course I would have thought, ah, auntie, are you conducting deliverance for me? But no, no, no. Guess what? Because I have taught her that when you see certain things, it is not the person. There is one demon behind the scene facilitating one kind of madness. So I need you to understand what I'm talking about so that you may know how to consistently keep the gates of God open and keep the gates of Satan shut. Because one of the strategies is that have fellow watchmen have fellow gatekeepers. There are gates you don't keep by yourself. There are some gates that me, I can keep forevermore with the fullness of my strength. The way I will keep the gate, eh, only me one, it's all right. If when God is like, let me send you in there, Mike, I'm like, it's all right. Mike, it's okay. You can just go and jam. I got this one. You know, but there are some gates I can't keep myself. There are some gates that I need people to keep with me, to keep for me, to keep reminding me, you know. So by the time she's rebuking that demon, I'm there, I'm there. So I'm still crying. But in the midst of the tears, I hear myself, I start saying, the Lord has not given unto me the spirit of fear, but the power of love and of a sound mind. I say by the power of the Holy Spirit that my mind is sound enough to discern God. My mind is sound enough to make the necessary journey that is in Christ Jesus. I declare that I see Jesus in the midst of this situation and I am making the journey upward by the blood of Jesus. And I start to declare. Now, why is that necessary? And as soon as I did that, I had the strength. I was like, you know what? Let me go get ready for prayer. And I'll see you in a few minutes. She was like, okay, P, I'll see you in a few minutes. You don't arrive at spitting revelation when you have no practicing man in your gates. You don't arrive at strength when you have not dealt with weakness. The ability to even converge through a Zoom platform is dependent on whether or not you have arrived at mastery. You have so arrived at mastery that you now know how to work with the Holy Spirit to be able to take it from an intangible place and make it tangible across media. I'm telling you this morning, consistency. Consistency is one of the keys to power. Consistency is one of the keys to, cons to having the gates of God over your life open. So automatically, what did that session do? That session just first wiped off from the blackboard 
what Satan was trying to say, what Satan was trying to reiterate. And it began to open me up once again to the possibilities in God that I already know. So this is me that for the past 12 days, I've been 13 days, I've been teaching people about gates. So I know it. But the enemy can veil us from what we know in God by simply deceiving us into thinking that we don't know it or we are not worthy of it or we have not fully entered into it. I share these things with you and I make myself vulnerable, not because I want you to think and say, oh, wow, she too can cry or to, you know, just feel sorry for me. No, 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 no. I don't feel sorry for myself, actually. I actually am grateful for the journeys into strength and faith. So I'm saying it to you so that you can also identify when Satan comes knocking on your door. Even though he's sounding like a friend that is weak, just be able to look and say, that's the enemy. And if you, you can't tell, another person beside you should be able to look at it and say, uncle, that thing is not your neighbor. That's the very voice of a stranger. This is why I, I share this with you. So it's one of the strategies by which you can build up the gate of God in your life. Have a fellow gatekeeper and be consistent and perseverant. Now, the seventh and last thing is you, you should stand ready to evolve as the Lord leads in different seasons. Because if you look at people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these guys did not build altar here and then they lived there and they dwelt there and they died there for the rest of their lives. No, these people were consistently moving and consistently making advancements in the Lord. And they did so by reason of the revelation that they had concerning God. They realized that, yes, I may build an altar here at this place in this point in time, but this is not the Lord. And this is not the beginning and the end of Jesus. So you make the next journey to the next place. You secure your victory and then you journey to the next. And then you journey to the next. And then you journey to the next. Remember what Jesus said to that servant that said the master came back and said, where, where is my prophet? And the guy said, you know, master, take the money you gave to me, take it back. I realize that you are a stern master. I realize that you don't take nonsense. You don't like it when people fail. So I just kept your money for you. Here is the exact money you gave to me. And the master said to him, get away from me, you wicked and unreasonable servant. Every time I read, I said, depart from me. You shall be depart from me and go to outer darkness. Every time I read that scripture, I'm like, oh God, really? The guy was afraid. And the Lord said to me, he said, fear is never an excuse for not making the necessary excursions you are supposed to make in the spirit. Fear is never an excuse for not making the necessary excursions in the spirit. You have to be growing in your spiritual journey. You have to keep moving. And don't be like that servant that says, you know what? Ah, we did prayer in yesterday. I prayed, 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 prayed. I've raised altar. I have scattered. I've broken. How many times will I do deliverance? How many times will I? I will just stay here. At least when Jesus comes, I know that in this state, I will make heaven. The master was like, you're not going to be with me. You're going to be going to the outer darkness. You will not be in hell, but you will not be in the light of my glory and presence. So there is a penalty for not journeying. There is no penalty for not moving like Abraham from tents to tents. God made him a promise. I said to him, I will give you a promised land. But Abraham did not even physically enter that land as it were. Neither did he one day when God said to him, get up and go say, ah, God, me, I'm tired now. I have 40 years. Somebody has been moving. Every time, get up and go. We don't know where I'll go. He, didn't, he never did that. Every time God came and said, get up and go, he got up and he went to the next and to the next and to the next and to the next. 
ever ready to evolve with the Lord, ever ready to grow by the hand of the Spirit. This is very, very important. The proof of life is growth. And the beds and the vulture come to feast on things that are not growing. You have to make sure that you are growing. Don't be a dead man in the kingdom. Don't be a stagnant Christian. Anywhere you find stagnant waters, that is where you find dead things. That is where you find creatures. That is when you find smelly things. Don't be a stagnant water that is repulsive in the spirit realm. If you will be a man that is able to keep gates, that is able to retain and to open new ones by the hand of the Lord, you must always be able to re be ready to evolve with God. Because you see, many times, like for example, I am sitting here and I'm preaching this whole revelation of, you know, gates and doors. And every time I sit on it, God opens a new one to me. God opens a new one to me. I see it. I see it so surely in the spirit. I see it. I see it. I see it so clearly. And why is that happening? Because I am willing to evolve with the Lord. I'm willing to say, God, I don't fully understand this topic. When, I, when, when God said a great and effective door is open and he called September, I, I didn't have any idea about the things I'm talking about as I'm speaking to you. I had no idea. Many times I have to go back and listen to the messages and take notes because in the moment of speaking, the Holy Ghost is the one speaking, not even me. So, but it is my readiness to evolve with the Lord that consistently unveils the heart of God in the matter to me. You must stand ready to grow. Stand ready. Don't say to yourself, ah, all these spooky things, me, I don't understand. You don't understand. Go and search. You don't know. Go and look it up. You don't believe. Go and take in the word of the Lord. If it is not God, then it will stir up something else in your heart. But if it is God, it will provoke you to faith. So be ready to grow. Be ready to make the necessary moves in the Lord. So I, I want us to pray that prayer this morning. You know, um, even in terms of the works of your hand, your relationship with God, your friendships, we must be people that know how to open new doors for ourselves, new doors of gifts, new doors of grace, new doors of patience, new doors of humility, new doors of kindness, new doors of truth. You must know how to break the old places inside of you. This morning, as I laid on the couch this morning, I was praying again. I said, God, perhaps maybe, or maybe it's me. Maybe there are things inside of me I still don't. I'm like, Lord, I repent of any time that I have accepted a standard that is not of you. Of you. Anytime I have embraced a position and I have held on to it and I've said, you know what, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is who I am. This is who I am. And I have not moved. I have not prayed to you to help me journey through and into being a better version of myself. Lord, I repent and I'm sorry. And I'm asking God, if there is anything better, make me please. If there is a way I can, please help me, Holy Spirit. You make these journeys because you know that it is the will of God that we should grow. It is the desire of God that we should prosper, spirit, soul, and body. We make these journeys because we understand that the things that happen in our lives, the good that comes to us, the promotion, the influence, the power is all a product of the 
where we are on the inside, how much we have increased on the inside. As you begin to give um, patience on the inside or forgiveness on the inside, what happens in your world is that people become more patient with you and more forgiving of your errors. As you on the inside expand yourself for the sake of your brother or your sister, and you say, you know what, I'm going to be a better teacher. And then you go back into the world and into the world and you are studying more and you are you know, trying to understand the word better because you want to communicate better to people. What begins to happen to you is that the world around you becomes simpler and, you know, um, things and people and even nations and lands begin to give back to you more easily the things that should be yours. Everything that you produce on the inside is, is a reflection of what happens to you on the outside. So God is calling us into a place where we are saying, Lord, I want to evolve with you. Let my strength be the strength of the Lord. Let my joy be the joy of the Lord. Let my grace be the grace of the Lord. Let me come into a place, Heavenly Father, where I am fully emerged in your journey, where I am submerged in the journey of Christ, where the person that I am and the person that I manifest at every point in my life, oh God, is the exact person, is the replica of who you are in the spirit at that point in time. Do not be like, don't let, let me be like the Pharisees and Sadducees that hold on to old standards of righteousness when Jesus is moving in a new way. But my God, give me the ability to be able to see you, hear you, and discern you in the midst of a moving target, in the midst of, an, of, of a life that is constantly moving. Help me to be able to hit the mark with you accurately in the name of Jesus. I present myself today for a constant journey. I present myself today to evolve consistently with God. Father, we ask for courage. Father, we ask for boldness to be able to take the necessary steps with you. Father, we ask for power to be able to dive in as you would have us do in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So, I, um, in the name of Jesus, I want to share with you um, four protocols for preserving the gates of God in your life. Number one, the protocol of mastery. I've spoken to you guys about it several times, so I don't need to get deep into it. But just the protocol of mastery. Remember what uh, the angel in Daniel chapter 9 said to um, um, to Daniel when he came. He said, Daniel, now I have heard your prayers and I have been sent by God to do what? He says, to give you skill and to give you um, knowledge. So why did he come to give him skill and knowledge? And that's because you need skill and knowledge to be able to preserve whatever gates God has given to you. You need skill and knowledge to be able to preserve whatever the Lord has done or is doing in your life. Um, I, I want to read that in, in verse 22 of Daniel chapter 9. Or let's read from verse 21. He said, yeah, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being cursed to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. So Daniel, he had even seen Daniel from the beginning when he started praying that God had released him. So he saw the angels flying swiftly from the throne of God. But 
he did not stop praying until he actually saw a manifestation. So many times we get off our knees because I like, yes, God, you've done it. I see it. The Lord has released it from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Lord has released it. But have you seen it? So if you haven't seen it, it's a sign that you have to stay there. So he had seen Gabriel um, that, um, um, Gabriel fly, flying swiftly from the beginning when he started. But then he waited until he saw a manifestation, until there was an unburdening of the burden in his heart. And then he says, and he says, verse 22, and he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give this skill and understanding. Then what did he do? He now began to say, at the beginning of thy supplications, the commandments came forth. I am and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon the people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Come on. He says, know therefore and understand that from going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and three scores and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in um, troublous times. He says, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the world desolations are determined and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease and for the offspreading of um, abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate of course we know that at this point, God is speaking about what will happen in the days to come for his children, but he was also speaking about the coming of the Antichrist. Now, what did the angel say to him? He said, I've come to give you skill and to give you understanding. So it is one thing to have understanding of what is happening, but it's another thing to have skill on how to handle it. So I found out that we have a revelation hungry generation. They love great things, they love powerful words, they love mysterious speakings. But in terms of manifesting that which they have heard is the problem. So you hear all these great things and then you actually go back into life and, and the enemy begins to challenge you and you don't take what you have heard and actually use it and impute it into your day-to-day um, life. If you are not doing that, you will not be able to man the gates that God opens for you. Because mastery, which is one of the protocols, the first protocol, it comes by you actually manifesting that which you have received as teaching and doctrine. And then when you manifest it, you do it over and over and over again until you become a master of it. That's where mastery comes from. So the question is, have you become a master of keeping the doors of the spirit open? Can you tell when a wind comes to try to blow you away from God? Can you tell when an old habit is coming to take you away from God? Can you tell when an individual enters your life and just from the time the person enters, you've been losing grace, you've been losing spiritual strength, you've been losing spiritual energy. Can you tell when that is happening? 
for you to be able to preserve the gates of God in your life, you need skill and you need knowledge. Knowledge is what leads you to skill. So pray and say, God, I need mastery. I need mastery. I don't want to be tossed to and fro anymore. I don't want to wake up one day powerful and the next day I wake up weak. I don't want to be strengthened and have audacity one day and the next day I wake up and I'm, I'm like a scared dog. I'm unable to rise up from my bed. Father, I need mastery. But I know that it comes from knowledge and skill. So Father, I pray that you give me knowledge. The Bible says it is the Lord that teaches our hands to war and our fingers to fight. Father, come and be my warfare tutor. Come and be the one that teaches me on the path of warfare. I present myself to you. I present my hands to you. I present the hands of my spirit to you. I ask that in the name of Jesus, you come and teach me skill. Teach me the skill, oh God, of the spirit realm. Make me skillful in the workings of the spirit realm. Make me skillful at how to bring others into what I know. Make me skillful at establishing you at every turn. In the name of Jesus, give me skill, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Um, the second protocol that I want you to take with you as you go is the protocol of quietness and submission. Very important. In Isaiah 30 um, verse 15, it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. He says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. I need you to understand the scripture. Um, it says, In returning and in rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence, you shall find strength. So this scripture talks about two different things. Number one, it talks about salvation. And number two, it talks about strength. It says, in returning and in rest, you shall be saved. In returning, that means you were going in a former direction or you were going somewhere before, but you have now come back. Come back to what you've come back to the Lord. You've come back to God's posture. You've come back to the perspective of Jesus in the midst of this all, the perspective of the heart of Christ. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus see this? In returning, you don't only return, but you also rest. Because I found out that many times we can return and say, you know what? I know that this is what God really wants to do. I know, I know, I know, but we don't rest. So part of the greatest hustle is to rest. And when I talk about rest, I don't mean you just cease from any kind of, you know, anything. No, 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 no. But the Bible says labor to come into his rest. So it is actually laborious to be able to arrive at the place of rest in the Lord. And I was talking about rest recently. I said, rest is not the absence of work. Even though the Bible says that he that is in Christ, he that has come into his rest has ceased from all their works. So he wasn't talking about spiritual works. He was talking about ceasing from your physical labor, your physical effort. The person that comes into Christ ceases from their physical efforts. That's what the Bible was saying. So you cease from all your labor. But what do you now do? You now labor in the spirit to arrive at the heart of God. So your prayer is not even, I rebuke, I cast, I bind. That's not the first set of prayer you pray. The first set of prayer is, my God, help me to see as you see. 
Help me to hear as you hear. Help me to understand as you understand. Do not let me cast away that which you are receiving. And do not let me receive that which you are casting away. Do not let me throw away that which you are keeping. And do not let me keep that which you are throwing away. Father, help me to see my children as you see them. Help me, oh God, to not um, try to raise standards for them that are suitable with the world, but are suitable with Zion. Father, help me to be able to make spiritually governed decisions. Help me to be able to assume spiritually governed assumptions. Father, immerse me in your mind. Father, immerse me as you immerse me in your mind. I decree that I also become a, a catalyst of the mind of God in people. Father, as you immerse me in your posture, I declare that I become um, a, a, an energy source of the posture of God to a generation. My God, I want to enter into your position. Father, I enter by faith, oh God. I declare that I am rightly positioned in the workings of the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. I break off me. I break off me. Anything that stands in the way of me embracing the mind of God in Jesus' name. Father, even if that mind is not suitable, even if it makes me, makes me afraid and it makes me feel vulnerable, even if it scares me, oh God, help me to embrace it. I labor into the position of oscillating with you at the same frequency. I labor to come into a place, oh God, where I'm able to retain, embrace, and enjoy the brightness of your opinion in the name of Jesus. Return, return, says the Lord. He says it is in returning and rest in what you have returned to. He says that is where you shall be saved. Remember when we spoke about the scripture in Proverbs 11, verse 9, it says that by knowledge, the just shall be delivered. By knowledge, the righteous shall be saved. So that means that knowledge actually begins from returning and resting in God. That is knowledge. So it is not just that I know, but what you know of the Lord, you give yourself to it and you rest in it. That is what the Lord is saying. He says, and when you do that, he says, then you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the attack of hell. Saved from the prevailing um, um, degradation of God's life in people and in generation. Saved from um, the enemy spoiling your life and making you a spoil of, of the warfare that goes on between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. Saved from destroying that which God has blessed you with and you want to cast it away. Saved. Now, it says the second thing, it speaks about strength. So that means you can be saved and yet not be walking in strength. What, how does it now say that you come into the strength? It says in quietness and in confidence. So that means there is, and this quietness, it's not that the enemy is doing something to you and you're just like, mm, mm. well, in quietness, my, my confidence shall, no, 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 no. That's not the quietness of the spirit. It's not being quiet towards the attack of the enemy. It is that you actually are at a place where when you enter, so if you're talking to somebody and you're struggling to hear yourself and you say, please, can you be quiet? I'm trying to say something. It means that you are saying, please, I want to hear my voice. Or if somebody walks into a room or your study or in a library, are you like, be quiet? Why are you saying be quiet? It means that the signals from the person is interfering with your own signals. You are trying to read, but what they are saying is interfering with the piece that you need to be able to read. 
So when the Bible says in quietness, he's not saying don't talk back at the enemy, but he's saying don't talk back at God. He's saying let the voice of God be what is heard the most in your environment above your voice. Let the opinion of God be what saturates the atmosphere. Let the heart of God be what dominates your space. Be quiet. Every time that God met with men, and he was about to change their lives. He was about to ordain them. He was about to raise them. He was about to change their destinies. One of the things that God will say is, peace be still. Please just be quiet for a moment and listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. Listen to what I'm bringing into your life. It says in quietness, in the place where the voice of God is the loudest and the opinion of God who stands the most, he says, and in the confidence of what you hear and you know of the Lord, he says, there is where you find strength. So if you're going to be able to keep the doors open and to be able to open the gates and to shut some gates and be an effective gatekeeper, you need to remember, return and rest. Be quiet in the Lord and have confidence in God. This is one of the strategies for quietness and confidence. Another one that I want to say to you is in Thanks Kings um, verse 6 to 7. Um, verse 6, um, First Kings chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, the house, while it was being built, was built of stone, prepared at the quarry, and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any iron to head in the house while it was being built. So this was one of the um, ways that God commanded them to build his temple. He said to them, don't bring the tools for work to the space where the temple is being built. He says, so basically when they were building the temple, you will never hear bang, bang, bing, 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 bang, 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 bang. None of those sounds were heard. Every work that was done was done in the query site. And that's where you hear the hammers, the chisels. So when the, when, the, when the stones and the boulders were brought, they were just brought and they were fitted in and just fit it in, just slide it in, just put one stone upon the other and build the structure. Now, what does that say to you? That every one of us who is, the, we are the house of God. We are the dwelling place of the spirit. We are the temple of the living God. We are being built up as living stones unto the Lord. That's to tell you that we must all have our query site. And the query site is not, um, how do I explain this? Holy Spirit, please give me understanding in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give me understanding in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Ghost is the one that builds us up. And the life, our life in this world is like the query site where the Lord is hitting the hammer, the chisel, and, you know, he's trying to frame us and shaping us and to smoothing us so that when we arrive at how we fit into the body of Christ, that's not where we are rubbing against each other or we are trying to break a fellow Christian or in God using you to do his work or you are engaging with people or you are trying to build for God. That's not when you are now doing the filing, but the Lord is doing the pruning and and the shaping in you as you go through life and as you go through normal engagement. But God is saying, when you come into my presence and when you are standing before my throne, be quiet. Because this is a holy place. Whenever people enter the holy place of God and the presence of God filled and saturated a room, nobody could move. Even the priests were not allowed to break a sweat. The high priest that used to go into the Holy of Holies, if he sweated like this, bam, one drop, he dropped dead, literally. So the question is, is, are we still serving that same God? Are we still serving the God who sometimes just wants us to come into a place of prayer? 
And all we do in the place of prayer is say, God, I just want to hear your heart. I just want to know your mind. You come into the place of prayer and it is not about, Lord, look at who this is. Look at who did that. God, I want this. God, give me this money. I call it for us in the name of Jesus. No, it's just, Father, I want to see your face. I want to know your ways. I want to hear so I may live your days. I want to see you. Lord, I want to see you. And I want to see your face. I want to know your ways. I want to touch your grace so I can live your days. I want to see you just the way you are. And I want to see you. And I want to see your face. I want to know your ways. I want to touch your grace so I can live your days. I want to see you. Oh, Lord, I want to see you. There is a place where you don't take the hammer and the chisels into the presence of God. There is a place where you leave it all behind. And all you do is to receive the presence of God. All you do is to hear the voice of God. All you do is to sit still in his presence and allow the Lord water you with the knowledge of his love, with the beauty of his glory and the heart of his expectations towards you. It says in quietness and in confidence, this is how you get strength. When you leave places like that, you have the strength to be able to fight any kind of war that the enemy presents before you. You know, the third protocol I want you to embrace is the protocol of watchfulness. I'm going to stop here and maybe tomorrow we can talk about the last protocol and move into another gate. But the protocol of watchfulness, I, 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 there's a story. There's a story in 2 Samuel 15 that struck that strikes me very strongly. And it's a story of Absalom, the son of David. So the Bible says in 2 Samuel 15, it says verse 1. It says, and it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to return before him and Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment then Absalom called unto him and said of what city art thou and he said thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom will say unto the person, see that matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. So Absalom, Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, please, if you run an organization or you run a company or you run a ministry or you even run a life, your life, Please, this point is very, very important to you. 
And I'm going to tell you seven things about the Absalom spirit, about how it takes the gate of men. Verse four, Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obedience, obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on, on, on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the heart of the men of Israel. My first question to you is, I want to ask this question is, where was the gatekeeper when Absalom was doing all of this at the gate of his father? Where was the gatekeeper? How is it possible that Absalom did this to the whole of Israel and David never knew? How is it possible you are sitting in a seat of authority and somebody is undermining you and the person is gently showing you, hey God, you tell the person, please help me sort out the matter between me and this person. And the individual goes there and says, ah, you know, you are a good person. You are a nice person. I don't know why PI has issues with you. You know, you are really... I really see where you are coming from. Hey, don't worry. You know, she could be like that. So, you know, we just manage her. We just try. It's called the Absalom spirit. It's called the Absalom approach to matters. It is how Absalom steals the crown from David. Sorry, pause. One second. It is how Absalom stole the crown from David. And so I found out that many times we are not watching out for how Absalom presents itself. Absalom presents itself as anything, any culture, any individual that is lurking or standing at the gates or the entryways to our lives that begins to speak the negative, that speaks negatively concerning us and undermines our position and begins to say, I can do better. You actually don't need to listen to this one. I can do it. I can take it. There are Absalom in the places where you are going to do contracts and you don't know it. And you are just there saying, oh, I've been doing this contract at Mobile for five years. God has been so good to me. Excuse me, auntie. Do you know that there's somebody that is, and the thing about Absalom is that Absalom spirit takes his time. So it can be embedded within a system, embedded within a home. And you don't see it overnight. It takes its time. It's building from brick to brick, block to block until you wake up one day and the very thing you build to become the enemy within that same space. They come to you, the Absalom spirit comes to you and says, ah, yes, P.I. now, in fact, you shouldn't take it. I don't get it. And then goes back to the other person and says, wow, are you okay? So what's going on? How can you do this? They are Absalom in businesses. They say to you, wow, your brand is so good, like so nice. I just think this is fantastic. And then they go back to the, your, the, the, the other people in the other brands or to the public and say, I don't really know this thing that she's selling. I just think this thing is rubbish. Let's, I, don't, I don't really think this is such a good brand. But in front of you, they're like, yes, please. Listen, be careful of the Absalom spirit. Because Absalom spirits come to stand at the gates of kings. It stands at the gate of royals and royalties. It stands, and remember the gates speak about power and authority. So the Absalom spirit comes to attack your power as a leader or attacks your power as a builder or attacks you at the point where you have power. And what is Absalom consistently saying? You are not fit. 
you are not good enough. You don't have what it takes. Somebody can do it better. Somebody should do it better. Absalom is constantly coming to take away from you that which gives you your unique edge. Be careful. Remember, the quietness is not towards God or towards the devil. The quietness, sorry, the quietness is not towards the devil. The quietness is towards God. So never be quiet when you see the rising of an Absalom. First of all, go and attack it in the spirit. The problem with the manifestation of the Absalom spirit is that many people don't even know they have it. They think that and the Absalom spirit hides in political correctness. When you find somebody who always wants to be politically correct, who always wants to be right with everybody, who always wants to be friends with everybody, I see again, but I'm telling you, you cannot trust that kind of person. Because the day that they have to weigh between you and the next person they are talking to, to determine which one is a better pick, they will throw you under the bus to be able to gain favor with the person whose audience they are standing before at that time. Be very, very careful. So that the Bible says Jesus knew men. He did not commit himself to everybody. He did not commit himself to men. But yet he died for them and he saved them. You can labor and die for a people, a system, a place, a nation that you have no expectations of. Because he says, don't give yourself. Jesus did not give himself to it. So the absolute spirit. And also I found out that people who carry the spirit are people who maybe have been hurt, disgraced, or made to suffer a great kind of shame. And because of that, they are no longer confident in losing people anymore. So what they tend to do is they at all means try to gain the favor of people. When you find somebody that is constantly looking for favor, no, you cannot trust such a person. And also the astronaut spirit rests on, and when I'm talking, I'm not talking about people outside, look at yourself. It also rests on people who, um, who are hurt, but don't say it. Who are angry, but don't say it. Who are broken, but don't address it. Who feel mistreated, but they don't never have the confidence to say to you, I feel mistreated. I'm telling you, it becomes a hub and a dwelling place for where that kind of spirit can work. Because at the slightest opportunity, they will say, look, I don't think, but before, what do you think Absalom was doing in front of David? You think he was saying, David, I'm at your gate. I'm taking your gate. Now he wasn't doing that. In front of David, he will bow when David is passing the gate. Oh, king, long live the king. But whenever David walked away, he would say to the next person, what tribe are you from? From the tribe of Dan. Okay. He says he looked for the people who had issues with David. Listen to what he says. He says he rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. He rose up when? Early. So the Absalom's don't come at the dead of the night. Oh, where are you up? No, 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 no. He is diligent. The spirit is very diligent. So while you are still snoring away, and you are still thinking the world is my oyster, the Absalom's have risen up. And the Absalom's have gone and have stood at the gates. The Absalom's have gone and have stood at the places of power and the places of authority. What is their hope? He says he stood at the gate. He says, and it was so that when any man had a controversy and came to the king for judgment. So whenever they needed wisdom, they needed your own solution, your own, what you bring to the table, the Absalom's are there. Now, if you take it spiritually, positions that God gives to you in the spirit and authority that God gives to you in the spirit, what does the Absalom spirit come to do? 
He rises up early to go and stand at your gate. So when you are there thinking, should I be sleeping to this prayer call? Do you know, sometimes people are talking to me and they say, you know, during the call, Paya, while you were praying, at some point I fell asleep and then I had a vision. In the vision, I saw you saying, Absalom, Absalom. Of course, I'm saying Absalom. You are actually hearing your dream. What I was saying, don't sleep, wake up. While you are there contemplating, should I wake up? Oh no, this sleep is too much. I can't sit up for this prayer call. Absaloms have gone. The, the demonic Absaloms have stood in your places of spiritual inheritance, watching to see whether you are guarding or manning your gate properly. And if they just see a little bit of laxness there, bam, they jump in. And before you know what's happening, you wake up one day and you are spiritually deprived. You are spiritually malnourished. You don't have strength anymore. You don't have grace anymore. You don't have power anymore. And you are wondering what's happening. You feel like the arrows in your back in the spirit realm. Why? Because Absalom is speaking. It's demonic condemnation. They are saying it's not good enough. I, we can do it better. She's not worthy. He's not worthy. He, she's not deserving of it. You have to rise up and fight it. Man your gates. So Absalom is the son of David. So some demonic attacks of hell don't only come in enemy form. It comes in the form that you will receive and dine with. So when we talk about discernment, it is very important because you have to be able to see. Remember, I said this discernment is not just from good, good from evil, but being able to even discern good from good, best from best. Because remember what I said, the same fruits within which you have good is the same fruit within which you have evil. So it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's in the same fruit. So if you beat that fruit, in biting it, you will eat good and you will eat evil at the same time. That's why the only way a man could discern it is to be eating from the tree of life. When you have eaten of the tree of life and you have fed on the tree of life and you are full on the tree of life, then when you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can discern that, ah, uh-uh, this thing here is evil, this thing here is good. Ah, you can suck the juice of the good and pour, spit out the evil. So any man that will rule in this life and you will have your throne sustained, you must be a person that is able to discern good from evil at every point in time. Every point in time. Your eyes are sharp. You can tell, you can see it, you can know it. And then what do you do? You call it out immediately. You see, the enemy thrives in darkness. That's his greatest strength. He thrives in darkness. So the more you keep acting and adapting the ostrich approach in spiritual things, you will be taken down. Raise your head. At some point today, I said to myself, my father is a lion. I'm the daughter of a lion. A lion never bows his head down. A lion raises his head up consistently. A lion walks with his stride confidently. A lion is never taken down in his environment. I'm the daughter of a lion. I say this to you so that you will know how to man your gate. So he was either, David was either blind, lazy, or could not get her to do anything about Absalom. Sorry, not David. The gatekeeper was either blind, lazy, could not get her to do anything about it, or he was corrupt. The question is, why don't we fight the things that are fighting us? Why do we try to work solutions around them? You see, you have a problem. You don't want to fight it. 
What you don't know is that you think you have time, but what you don't know is that the anti-decos, the enemy that accuses is standing at your door with his case file and he is imputing every day that you fail to rise up. He's imputing one more detail and saying, yes, one more reason why she cannot, oh yes, one more reason why he's not, oh yes, one more reason why. And before you know what's happening, the Bible says that the whole of Israel, he says, as someone stole the heart of all the men of Israel, all, how is this possible? So the heart of the men of Israel, what did he do? He did not see their thinking, he stole their heart. So part of the way the Arsenal spirit works is that it works with emotional manipulation. Emotional, the aim of it is to steal the heart of the people. So that at the end of the day, so you sometimes sit back and ask yourself, I'm not Absalom. The person that I chose to choose to love and follow and celebrate, everybody else does not love the person, but they love me. But yet I'm closest to the person. Something is wrong with that relationship. Something is wrong with your dealings. This thing I'm telling you is very important because we're in a generation where they don't have loyalty. And the Bible says that is part of the signs of the end time. People will be disloyal. People will be ungrateful. People will be disobedient to their parents. I'm not talking about myself. That's not, the, that's not, I'm not talking about this for me. You need to understand. I'm telling you that also watch yourself, your own life. Even me, I look at myself and say, you see, be careful. So this, you have to, because anything that you have not defeated inside of you, you cannot defeat around you. You to ask yourself, what, how am I engaging in this matter? What am I hoping to get in the way that I am arranging this thing? Whose principles am I using? Am I just trying to be consistently safe at all times so that there's nobody that's ever angry with me? Be careful, Absalom. It looks now like you are enjoying, but the end of it is that you'll be taken down. God is going to turn this counsel of Ahitophel, this depraved kind of wisdom, he will turn it into foolishness. Number one, the Absalom spirit embraces the spirit of deception and it embodies it. If you are listening to me and you like to deceive people, remember what Psalm 24 says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He said, the man that has not sworn deceitfully. You never allow, you say one thing, but you know you mean another thing. Cunning craftiness of with the wicked, you have to depart from it. Number two, the astral spirit always seeks to confuse and deceive people. And it depends on the outward appearance of greatness. So there's an outward appearance of greatness, but on the inside, it is to deceive people. Number three, the Absaloms turn the people to themselves away from the king. Even many ministers are Absaloms in the way we act. So we are like, you know, because I'm the kind of person, you know, I am the child of God, you know, I can do this. I'm a fantastic pastor. I am the one that will be there for you. I, 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 until the people build a monument around you and they forget Jesus. You have to be careful. So even when you are building, even in the business, have you built your business and you have become an Absalom in it? Do the people, your clients, and the business itself know that it is erected for God's sake? There are many wives that have become Absaloms. Your children hate your dear father, but they love you. That's an Absalom spirit. The Absalom spirit bridges the normal protocol of governance and government. Number four, the Absalom, are, um, the Absalom spirit outworks itself through people who would normally be viewed as sons. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, number five, the Absaloms are self-designated gatekeepers. So you are standing in a gate that you were not given the authority to man. 
you enter a position that was not given to you. There are many girls that are absolutes. You know, you, you, husband that is not your own. You have become their emotional uh, pillow. You are the one that wants to comfort them. You are there for them. Oh, I just see that his wife is not treating him well. So I'm bringing food for him every day from the house. Plus your food, turn that fire it in Jesus' name. What is your business? You are manning a gate that has not been designated to you. You don't have a legal right over that gate. You are setting yourself up for destruction. If you're on this call, hear me. Some men are absolutes to women that are not their wives. It is a very, very serious thing because go and read your Bible. Go and read First King and see how Absalom ended up. You are constantly trying to steal another person's authority in a relationship or undermine others to give yourself a position that should not be yours. You have not labored for, you have not worked for in the spirit, you have not fought for. Even in ministry, there's a lot of Absalom behavior. A person you have not discipled yourself, you have not taught or raised the person, you are just waiting, you are marking time for when I can see you are dropping nuggets. I can see your pastor does not treat you well. It's okay, I'm always here for you. Don't worry if there's any problem, I'm here for you. I have no respect for such people. Not one. Waiting for the day that that person, that other person has sweated over and labored and have fought the person's weaknesses. Challenge them to grow and to be better. You see it, you admire it, you now want it for yourself. Did you labor for it? Absalom. Absaloms understand spiritual protocols, so they manipulate them for their good. Absalom knew the way to get it is to stand at the gates. Stand at the gates. Stand in the place. You too, Absalom had a sense of authority also. And he stood there and he used his authority to get what was belonged to his father. Absalom's end up raping the king's concubines by the counsel of Ahithophel, but he also grieved against David over the rape of his sister. So let me explain to you. Absalom's behavior came from the fact that his sister Tamar, um, no, not Tamar, yes, was raped and his, by his brother, by his half-brother, and David did not do anything about it. Now his sister, I have to go do school runs now. Now his sister Tamar was after she was raped, of course, in those days, once you have been raped or they know that you slept with a man that is not your husband, you are finished. So she was finished. She did not get married. Nobody married her. So she was shipped to um, Absalom's house. She lived with Absalom for the rest of her life. Now, here is Absalom having to live with the fact every day that his beloved sister has been raped, has been plundered, has been treated unfairly, and nothing was done about it. Absalom never, um, um, never went back to David to say, David, how bad? Do something now. What is the meaning of this? Okay, how are we going to repair? But he didn't do anything. Absalom ended up rising up and committing even a greater sin and murdering his brother and then going for the throne of his father. Now, you see, this is why the spirit of bitterness is evil because it will make you justify evil deeds and call evil good and good evil because you feel like you are trying to make up for something that was done to you. So this is why it is important that there are conversations you must have with God. If there is something disturbing you and you feel that, but God, Abba, I have been raped, I have been plundered in this area of life. I feel like, you know, you should help me and step up. Have the conversation with God. Because if you don't do it, your, 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 your behavior towards men will change. You will not become that person that says, this, that, I, mean, I don't trust anyone, no. You know me, I mean, nobody can take me for granted. You go out for dinner, I mean, I'm, I'm skipping my money after I look at what was done to me. What, what kind of behavior is that? 
Absalom, free yourself. Because what Satan is trying to do to you by making you think that the Lord has come against you by holding on to this bitterness is that you will go and kill your own brother. It begins with the brothers. Cain will kill Abel. You will go and you will go for your brother because you will feel that you have not been justly treated by God. And then after you do that, you will go for the throne of the father. What you are going to be doing is that you will not be the one. You are still in church. Oh. People are looking at you and thinking, wow, they say, wonderful child of the Lord. After all he has been through, oh, he's still in church. But no, you are there to just undermine the power of God and undermine, you know, the glorious things in the gospel, in Christianity that comes from being vulnerable. So you people, people crying in worship and just say, mm, I beg, how long is too much? You see somebody dancing to the Lord, mm, I beg. Why? Absalom. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Stephanie now. Pastor Stephanie, you will lead us in prayer, this last prayer point, because I have to leave. But I need you to begin to pray and ask the Lord and say, Father, show to me any area where I'm missing this. Show me, Father, how I might have broken this protocol and I don't know. Do not let the consequences of Absalom become mine. Do not let the, the, the things that came upon him become the judgment of my life. Do not let that become the judgment over my life, Lord. But God, I ask you that in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you will step in, that you will liberate me. Father, I repent for every time that I have trespassed and I have broken authorities that I was not supposed to break. And now authority in my life is being broken. Father, have mercy on me because whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall reap. Father, if I am reaping a seed that I sowed in the past, my God, have mercy on me. Father, teach me protocols in the spirit. Teach me spiritual boundaries. Do not let me break, bridge the boundaries or break the boundaries lies in the spirit realm. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Father, I ask for mercy. And God, I ask that you show me if there be any Absalom standing in my life, oh God, or in my marriage, in my business, in my ministry. Father, by the fire of the Holy Ghost, let there be a revealing in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Rado Sonte Libre de Bashan de Kirabazatai, Nevrando Sunamakaya. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just speak against the spirit of bitterness, O God. Father, if there be any way Absalom has risen up around us or within us, our God, Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite your word to come and challenge, O God, that spirit of error in the name of Jesus. Nebrondo Sunte Libarabashande, Rado Sonte Librado Sokunamande, Rekata. Father, deliver us this morning, O God, in the name of Jesus. Father, let bitterness, O God, let it not sow seeds within us, O God. Let it, let it not bear fruit in us, O God, in the name of Jesus. Let it not find its way in us, in the name of Jesus. Let it not make babies with us, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we plead your blood over the gateway of our lives, O God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, whatever conversations, O God, that we must have with you 
in this time. Father, let us not be afraid to speak, oh God, because perfect love casts out fear. Let us remember, oh God, that you haven't given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind, oh God. Give us the boldness to have, Lord, the difficult conversations, oh God, with you in the name of Jesus, because on the other side of those conversations, Lord, is deliverance. Father, we pray, oh God, that you will you will influence, Lord, even our perspective so that we will see beyond the feelings, oh God, of our, of our we'll see beyond our feelings, oh God, we'll see beyond that which is now and that which is present and we'll be able to lay hold, oh God, on that which you have put ahead of us in the future. In the mighty name of Jesus, anyway, the enemy may have skewed our sight, oh God, or skewed our reasoning. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning as we repent, oh God, we pray for restoration, oh God. We pray for deliverance, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we pray for the collaborative um, um, uh, um, watchmen, oh God, that you are sending to us even in this time that will be able to identify oh god the things that need to be addressed father even in the places where we may be in denial in the name of jesus father we declare that this is our day of liberty oh god Father, Lord, we come against, oh God, every evil counsel in this time of collaboration, every evil counsel, Lord, as we are filled with the word of life, oh God, indeed, Lord, will be able to filter, Lord, that which is good from that which is evil. In the name of Jesus, we will not be taken by it, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we will not be consumed by it, oh God. Come on, pray for yourself, that the only thing that will have the power to consume you is the fire of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Spirit of God, the breath of the Almighty, in the name of Jesus, Nebrondo Suta Kiada Basande, Rendo Sonte, Nebrondo Shande Kirababa, Nebranda Sete Adosa. Father, let us be consistent in growth, O God. Let us be consistent in life, O God. Let us be consistent in the working out of our salvation, O God. Let us not abort the mission, O God, because of trials and tribulations, O God. In the name of Jesus, O Rada Basante di Adosa, Rendo Shante, Nebrende Setia, in the name of Jesus, I hope you're praying this morning. Father, Lord, help us, O God, to not trespass, O God. Let us not man the gates, Lord, that you have not given to us to man. Let us not leave unattended the gates that you have given us to man, O God. In any way, O God, that we may have misjudged or misevaluated, Father, in the name of Jesus, we we repent this morning, oh God, if by reason of pain, past experiences, Lord, or even the speakings of the people that have had authority over us, Lord, um, Father, that we have done certain things and upheld certain standards or positioned ourselves in error, in a way that is against your government, knowingly or unknowingly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that by your spirit, you will break that stronghold off of us in the name of Jesus, in the name of 
Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Sunday, regardless of what the reason is, oh God, regardless of what the excuse is, oh God, Father, we do not want to be those people, oh God. We do not want to be a people, Lord, that do not fear, the, fear our God. We do not want to be a people, Lord, that do not see you as Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning, Lord, we ask, whatever it takes, Lord, for us to return and to rest, oh God, for whatever it takes, Lord, for us to be silent before you, oh God, let it be, let it be, oh God, show us what we must do, oh God, to cause correct, oh God, to return, oh God, to repent, oh God, to change our minds, oh God, so that we may be restored, Father, in the name of Jesus. This is our prayer this morning, oh God, we ask for your help. Because when it's all said and done, we are nothing without you, O God. When it's all said and done, Lord, without your help, we can do nothing by our strength, O God. Father, but it is your spirit that encourages, equips, and helps us, O God. Father, we receive help this morning. Help, Lord, to move in spite of what the fear that the enemy may try to speak at us, O God. Father, we would no longer give excuses for the things that are life-giving, the things that are right, O God. In the name of Jesus, we will do that which we must do. We will not give excuses. We will not be said to be, uh, it will not be said of us that we are wicked and unfaithful, Lord, by reason of our actions or inactions, Father. This is our prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, come and do a complete work in us. Let us not be found wanting in any regard in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we just thank you. We give you praise, oh God. We thank you, Father, because even when we got on this call, Lord, we asked for a touch, we asked for a word, we asked for open eyes, and Lord, you have done it again. You have opened our eyes, you have opened our ears, you have touched our hearts, you have sent your word. Father, we thank you, oh God. We declare over our hearts, oh God, that nothing shall by any means steal or pervert the word that we have received. Baba, this word will not remain in seed form. In the name of Jesus, nothing will stunt the growth of your word in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Baba, we will cultivate and keep it, oh God. We will seal it, oh God. We will grow it. We will extend it, oh God, with your creative ability in the mighty name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are receiving the skill and the knowledge. We are receiving the skill and the wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus. You reveal these things to us, oh God. You give us insight. You give us revelation so that we can receive or we can inquire of you the skill that is that is, that is necessary, Lord, to, to steward the things that you are telling us. Let us not just leave these words unattended, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you are still doing in us. Ah, Baba, we thank you because you have not even given up on us. And so therefore, we will not give up on ourselves. I speak over everyone on this call. In any area of your life where you may have given up, where you feel like you have wasted so much time, I want you to know that as long as you are alive and you are living, that in, in itself is a door and there is hope. Father, in the name of Jesus, we will walk out this hope with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we will walk out our faith in you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise, oh God. We declare that this day is blessed as we go forth, oh God. Father, you are keeping our eyes open. We are staying vigilant, oh God, to the to the things that surround us, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we have been poured, as we have been filled with your life, oh God. The spirit of discernment moves in us. It helps us. It leads us and it speaks through us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, almighty Father. Blessed be your holy name. For in Jesus' precious name we pray.
Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Um, go back to the teaching, listen to it again. Um, it's going to, once we get off YouTube, it's going to be on YouTube so you can listen to it again. Pray these prayers. Hold on to everything the Lord is saying to you. Write down um, everything that the Lord is speaking to you, releasing to you in this time. And we're just going to keep trusting God um, as he perfects that which concerns us day by day in Jesus' precious name. Thank you all. God bless you. See you again tomorrow, 5 a.m. West African time. Have a good day. Bye.